This podcast is supported by Audible. To find out how you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible, check out audibletrial.com slash lead. This is Alan Gregerman, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, great. Well, I'm Alan Gregerman. Um, I'm the author of a new book called uh, The Necessity of Strangers, and it's a book about the power of connecting with and learning from people who are very different than us. It's a real key to innovation, collaboration, um, and greater business and personal success. Um, but most of my time I spend as a strategy and innovation consultant working with a wide range of companies um, to help them figure out how to grow in the most competitive markets by really doing two things. The first is unlocking the genius in all of their people at all levels of their organization. And the second is helping them to figure out how they can deliver the most compelling value uh, to the customers they have the privilege to serve. I also um, started 13 years ago um, and uh, still lead a nonprofit organization called Passion for Learning. Um, and we work to inspire at-risk kids uh, to love learning and to find their voice through the power of the written word and the power of digital technology. And I spend a fair amount of time doing that in addition to kind of running VentureWorks, my business, um, because it keeps me kind of centered and grounded and able to connect with folks who inspire me, just like our customers all the time. Oh, that's that's awesome and, and kind of cool to hear. I it, I don't think there's uh, there's very many people that have just one answer to that. Who are you and what do you do? Question more. We live in a world where there are always multiple answers, and, and your your collection of answers um, is pretty awesome. But as you said, the author of a new book, The Necessity of Strangers, and it's a it's quite a provocative title. You know, I I was raised to believe in in stranger danger and not talking to strangers, and you know now I have a 21 month old son. And I'm kind of looking at the same thing. Aren't aren't strangers sort of sort of bad? Why do we? Why are strangers so necessary? And why can't we just kind of stay inside of our own network? Yeah, you know, I think we all were kind of told as kids by our parents that strangers were folks to be avoided, and um, I think that probably there are a really small percentage of folks out there that we ought to avoid. But the reality is, I'd hate to have that that. I'd hate to have that thought really kind of dissuade us from really connecting with new and different people. And so that really gets at the heart of it. Um, you know, friends and relatives and colleagues are really important, um, but they're a lot like us generally. And uh, I like to think in a way that while they can offer an awful lot of value to the things that we do, they can only get us so far. And then if we really want to create kind of breakthroughs in all the things we do that matter in any aspect of business or our lives, that the reality is we ought to be kind of realistic um, and optimistic about the things that we know really, really well, but equally realistic and optimistic about the things that we don't know that well and the things that are our gaps. And then be open to the possibility that literally in this day and age, we can connect with any other person on the planet. And why not try and reach out to strangers who might know something absolutely remarkable um, that could really kind of stretch our thinking and challenge us to look at our business or our lives in new ways? 
And I, and I think, you know, I sort of uh, pitched the first question um, kind of on the opposite side of what I believe, because I've found a lot of the same research that, that you uh, talk about in the book, um, which, is, which is awesome. And it deals with this kind of idea that from an innovation standpoint, especially if our friends and if our close contacts and friends are that close, then they think a lot like us. And what we need is that exposure to um, other people. And I, I think it other people and other perspectives. And I think it transfers even into kind of how we build teams and how we engage in projects at, at work, et cetera. But what, what have you seen some of the research on these kind of uh, teams and how they work better and the role of strangers in these kind of highly innovative companies and teams? Yeah, so think about this, though. You know, almost every organization, when faced with the challenge in which they believe they need to think in a kind of new or more innovative way, will basically call their smartest people together, put them in a room and ask them to come up with an out-of-the-box idea. The reality is they've generally brought, even if they, if they bring together folks who come from different parts of their organization, the reality is they probably say, think somewhat similarly. And so they're challenging a group of people who haven't solved this problem in an innovative way yet um, and who generally are kind of heading in the same direction with their organization to suddenly have an epiphany, to suddenly kind of be brilliant in kind of new ways. And the notion that if they just bounce some ideas off of each other, that something brilliant will happen, I think is kind of a misnomer. I think the reality is that they know part of the equation, but they rarely ever know the entire equation. And there's a whole kind of world of inspiration out there of folks who actually aren't like-minded and who haven't been in the middle of their organization and who haven't looked at the same problem in the same way. And wouldn't we be advantaged if we actually kind of got off of our behinds and kind of headed out beyond our walls for a while to kind of capture some of their insight and then bring it back as a way to stir the pot. So I think what happens is there's a fair amount of research that simply says that the more we hang out together, the more we think a lot like each other. Um, and the more we tend to agree with each other, and the more we tend to agree that leaders have kind of gotten all figured out, and the more we tend to be less open um, to the to the fact that there are other ideas and perspectives that really matter. And we also get hardened to the belief that actually, you know, I'm right, even if I'm wrong, I believe I'm right. And so, you know, so the exciting thing for me is to think about how do I actually kind of break through some of those things? And I'm not going to do it often with the companies I work with in the confines of their workplace. But if I can actually get teams of people out and get them to explore the world around them, then suddenly kind of things start to click and they're open to the fact that maybe they don't know everything. I totally agree, and I've, I've heard it from the standpoint that you know, there are more than 7 billion people in the world. It's pretty much impossible that the top, however number, smartest people in the world all happen to work inside your one company, right? If you think <laughs> about how many people there are uh, and, and what the War for Talent has done for competing for all of these smart people, uh, you have to have some pretty deep pockets to have a roft, roster that is the top, let's say, 200 of the 7 billion people out there in the world. And so naturally, there are some great minds that are probably exist outside your organization. And, and to be fair, the odds are that there are more people who are, that are smarter than your organization outside of it than inside of it, right? And so naturally, we have to sort of pursue that, get out of our own organizations and, and seek out those strangers. And, and you, you actually um, talk about this as, as developing a stranger-centric mindset as opposed to a friend or a colleague-centric mindset. Tell me a little bit more about what this stranger-centric mindset means and how we develop it. 
Well, so I, when I think about a stranger-centric mindset, I think about exactly the idea that you just mentioned, and that is we benefit in business or in any organization or even in our lives when we cast a much wider net. And when we believe that we aren't connected well enough to all of the folks that could really help us. So if you think about it, going back to your idea, so there are 7 billion people roughly on the planet, and even the most connected of us maybe have a 1,000 contacts, and I'd say most of the 1,000 contacts are probably not people we know that well. And even the smartest organizations, and I've had the privilege of working with some really smart organizations, uh, organizations that might have 50 thousand or more folks who have at least a master's degree and are trained in the highest level of kind of science in their particular disciplines. So um, so the reality is we believe often in our organizations we got plenty of smart people. Um, but the reality is we have plenty of smart people that generally kind of approach the world and approach problems in roughly the same way. So when I think of a stranger-centric mindset, it's, it's a mindset that believes that the key thing we need to understand is that there are multiple ways to solve any problem. There are lots of different perspectives that I can bring to bear. Um, and there might be totally different ideas from another culture or another industry or another walk of life, which might absolutely change the equation in a way that I really ought to be changing the equation in my organization. So being stranger-centric simply acknowledges first a little bit of humility and says, I realize and our organization realizes we don't know it all. Then it says, let's assume that there's some folks out there that might know a piece of kind of the puzzle that I'm trying to solve. Let me be open to casting this wider net and try and find them. And I want to try and find them in a couple ways. One is, you know, I can use technology. This notion of kind of six degrees of separation um, is an important one. But I can use technology now simply to kind of not only think about my contacts, but also just start to Google to try and figure out who's absolutely remarkable and brilliant out there in something that matters to me. So that's a fundamental part of creating a stranger-centric mindset. But the other thing I'd like to suggest to people who listen is the whole notion that serendipity matters as well. That if I'm actually out there and engaging the world and connecting with new people and going to events or starting to talk to people when I'm waiting in line at the theater or waiting in line at a street vendor stand, um, I just don't know what will happen. But most of the time, that's likely to be good because most of the time I'm likely to talk to somebody who does something different than me. They're outside the bounds of where I work. And I'm likely then, if I start to pursue that, to find some things they know or some things that they believe are key to being remarkable and things that are going to kind of change my equation. So that openness to actually getting out there is vital. And I believe, you know, the organizations I work with, I kind of challenge them to think about how do we at least once a month spend an afternoon a month actually getting out there and engaging a part of the world we don't normally engage um, and trying to find out its mysteries and how it solved those so that we can apply that insight to thinking differently about our business. Hmm. No, I think it's it's interesting. And Woody Allen said that 80% of success is showing up, and maybe we should amend that and say 80% of success is showing up somewhere else, somewhere other than your office, right? Oh, yeah, no, I think... I think 20% of success is actually kind of just showing up at work every day. And so I think the other 80% is I'm going to get really new ideas and value by connecting with other folks. And think about also the notion that Edison once said, and that was everything comes to him and I'll add her. So him or her um, who hustles while they wait. And so the reality is we have a tendency to wait 
And we believe in that downtime that we don't need to collect new ideas or new insights, but we can just kind of just bide our time. And his view was pay attention to everything, look at remarkable things that strike you as being kind of amazing in some way, and then try and get the heart of what makes those things amazing. And so that's what I challenge all the folks I work with to do is just kind of get out in the world around you in all walks of life and find folks who are doing things that either you believe or other people believe are simply remarkable and try and get to the heart of what makes them remarkable. Because somewhere in kind of um, what they do so well are some ideas that could really inspire you to reimagine the product or service you offer, the customer experience you deliver, the ways you engage your employees, um, the processes that you use. Uh, to kind of produce what you do, the way you use technology to create value, um, simply by kind of thinking about other folks, the, the nature of kind of the real art of your business, because every business really has some art to it, and yet we rarely ever spend time hanging out with artists to figure out how they could inform that as well. Hmm. And, you know, I think it's interesting because it works not just the level of what the work that we do and our performance being better if we're more stranger-centric, but I think even getting work and even in our personal lives, you know, I, I, the majority of people who find jobs find them through weak ties. And I think even, you know, something as important as maybe a, a spouse, uh, usually it's not your best friend that just happened to have this friend you didn't know about forever. Usually you meet it through this sort of connection of weak ties. So even in our personal lives, I think there's something here with the idea of cultivating this stranger-centric mindset, even if it's not for work performance, even if it's just for improving our own quality of life. Oh, I think absolutely it's as relevant to the rest of our lives as it is to the world of work for us. And it's particularly relevant because the reality is that all of us have the potential, hopefully till kind of our last day, to kind of learn and grow and do new things. And we tend to be limited in the things we're exposed to by the folks that we regularly hang out with. To the extent that they do certain things or have certain interests or have certain hobbies, we might be inclined to be interested in those. And there's a whole range of other things that could be really kind of enriching and fulfilling for us that we rarely ever allow to get on our radar until we connect with somebody who says something like, hey, have you tried mountain biking? Or, hey, did you know you could actually learn to play uh, the fiddle? Or, you know, um, have you ever tried sea kayaking? Or have you ever thought of volunteering in this place? It's amazingly rewarding. And sometimes it really takes strangers to kind of get us to think about a whole bunch of things in our personal life that could be much more exciting and engaging and really great opportunities to grow. I, I totally agree. And that's what I loved about the necessity of strangers. It wasn't just, hey, here's the research on why strangers are so important to our work life and even our personal life. But it's also here's how to do it. There's all sorts of guidance. And it's a, it's a toolkit, really, for building a more stranger-centric mindset. But I, I wondered if, if in the interest in we just switched from work life to personal life, maybe now we'll switch from the book uh, to you, Alan, and ask you a couple questions. Uh, what are you reading right now? Well, you know, that's a good question. So, um, you know, I try to read kind of eclectic things. And so I certainly read kind of a bunch of business books. And so books that I have enjoyed reading recently, or I love Jonah Berger's Contagious, you know, why things actually stick. And I need to figure out how to do a better job of applying its lessons. Um, I read a fair number of books. I'm actually trained as a geographer, and so I read a fair number of books that really kind of apply kind of geography and kind of spatial thinking. So I've gone back and reread a book called The Geography of uh, Thought by Richard Nisbet. 
Um, I love this book, and it's kind of been out for a long time, but it's well worth people kind of checking out, uh, called The Man Who Knew Infinity. And it's an awesome case of probably one of the great mathematicians of the past hundred years who was working as a clerk in India, um, but was doing amazing mathematics and decided that there weren't enough mentors in India. And so he reached out uh, to the most kind of highly regarded faculty members in, uh, in England to see if they would be willing to work with him and kind of teach him and mentor him and share ideas. And one of them got back to him, connected with a stranger, and said, you know, I'd be delighted to kind of learn more about what you're thinking about. And it turned out when he arrived there for the seven short years that he was in England, um, he was truly kind of becoming maybe the most insightful mathematician um, in a long, long time. And it's all by people daring to write a letter in that case. Today we might write an email or maybe get on the phone or send somebody a text about a willingness to connect and a willingness to kind of share ideas and see if the combination of a couple folks might make us even more remarkable. So those are some of the things that I read. I mean, I've been reading some books. You know, there's an interesting book National Geographic put out called The Last Speakers, and I'm quite fascinated getting back to the notion of 7 billion people. You know, there have been roughly 7,000 unique civilizations on Earth. A bunch of them are no longer around for sure. Um, but I would think that each one of them knew something that it would be awesome for me to know or awesome for all of us to know. Um, and yet some of them we only discover in museums today. And we ought to have a keener appreciation for all the civilizations that are still on Earth and some of the things they know, which in our kind of high-tech, fast-paced world might be a bit of an antidote to some of the challenges we've created for ourselves. It's a, a really interesting point and more proof about sort of the power of strangers and how uh, impactful it could be. And, you know, I wondered if I think the key is to have, even if you can't meet people, you said you have a very eclectic uh, reading habit. And maybe that's the key to finding these new ideas, just like finding new people with new ideas, finding the writing, what's inside the head of someone who wrote that would be a total stranger. I, I guess I never really thought about it. I'm looking at my bookshelf now and my bookshelf is full of the thoughts of strangers, um, and I never really thought about that now. That's a, that's a great point. And um, on, on that note, let's switch to about that. All of that reading, all of that eclectic reading gives us more to think about and more things to process. So what's next for you based on everything you're reading and what you're looking at and what you're working on? What, what's next for Alan Gregerman? Well, so, you know, the new book, The Necessity of Strangers, has just come out. And so I better spend a fair amount of time really trying to get these ideas out there in the marketplace. Fair point. Uh, you know, so I certainly wouldn't want to suggest that I'm hard at work on a new book yet. Um, but I have to admit, I think there are a lot of ideas that are kind of coming from some of the lectures and kind of keynotes I've been doing, some of the, some of the mail I'm getting um, from folks who have read the book. Um, that's increasingly suggesting that there's even more than what's in the book to the, the, the power of strangers. And so right now I'm certainly spending some time and kind of talking with kind of customers and colleagues and friends and relatives and strangers and trying to collect ideas and insights of strangers who've made a compelling difference in people's lives. At the beginning of this book, I talk about five strangers who I believe in some way really made a kind of profound difference in my life. Um, and I challenge readers to think about the folks in their life who were strangers, who were influential in some kind of important way. And so 
I'm going to really spend a lot of time trying to really kind of understand that connection more so that I can provide even more kind of insight and guidance to folks on how to make strangers an important part of their business life and the rest of their lives. So I think I'll be spending some time doing that. And I'm also eager to get people to really even stretch their thinking about a world of ideas and possibilities. You know, most of the time what happens when we're in a company or organization and we need to kind of think in new ways, the first place we turn is to our own people. Having failed that, then we look at what are the best practices in our industry. Well, simply mirroring those best practices isn't going to get us to the, be the best in our industry. It'll get us to be like other folks. And rarely do folks step out of their industry and think about, you know, who's doing something brilliant in another industry. And what I want people to start doing is step beyond even their industry or other industries to think about other people and other cultures and other walks of life. Um, other kind of people, you know, in other demographics, other ages, just people who think about the world kind of very differently and make that kind of just part of our formula for always being kind of as good as we can be. I'll be honest, it sounds like a big but a giant worthwhile task. And so we'll be paying attention and obviously helping out as in any way we can. On that note, though, it seems like a wonderful place to start is with the new book, The Necessity of Strangers. So I encourage everyone to to pick up a copy of it. It's a great book on figuring out how to better foster innovation and collaboration through what used to be a danger, and by that I mean strangers. So, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today inside the Leader Lab. Oh, thanks, David. It's been a pleasure.